Hello, welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a podcast of the Last Bite Network, a production of Nations Restaurant News and Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne, speaking to you from a post-pandemic world. I'm joking. The pandemic is still underway, I guess. I wonder when we'll know when it's over. I doubt that the novel coronavirus that causes COVID-19 is going to be eradicated anytime soon. I mean, there's still one strain of polio out there, and we've been going after that for decades. Smallpox is gone, though, which is nice. But the common cold, many flu strains, and all sorts of other infections are here to stay. And we've learned to mostly live with them all. And die from them sometimes, it's true. But no matter what we do, we are all going to die. But things are looking up here in New York City as far as the pandemic goes. Looking at today's data, remember when you never looked at infection rate data of anything? Looking at today's data, this city of more than 8 million people has 486 confirmed cases of COVID. A couple of years ago, we had more people than that dying every day from COVID. So, the city has loosened up. Most restrictions have been lifted, including the one that required restaurants and bars to check the vaccination status of their guests. That went away on Monday. Honestly, most operators I spoke to were fine with that requirement, but some did find it to be an added, onerous task, with all the other added tasks they had to perform to make the customers or the health department or whomever happy or satisfied or, at the very least, off their backs. My my guest for today's podcast, Caroline Bell, is the founder of Cafe Grumpy, a 10-unit coffee house that I really enjoy. Like pretty much everyone else, she has found the pandemic to be exhausting, but she does have a robust retail business. She had that before the pandemic, and that's helped a lot, and she launched a new cold brew coffee Tetra Pak during the pandemic. Now, she's looking forward to greeting guests who might once again be happy to hang out and chat rather than grab their coffee and get the hell out of there. We'll see. For now, here's Caroline Bell. How are you, Caroline Bell? Not too bad today. I'm, I'm glad to hear coffee. it. Uh, so you poured me a cup of coffee. You said it's Cafe Momentum? What, what is it's it? It's our Momentum Blend. Momentum Blend. Right, your Cafe Grumpy. This right, is Momentum right, right, Blend. Right. Okay, so, yes. so what? So that is a blend of El Salvador and Honduras. But it does change, so. So, so what, what does the, why Momentum Blend? What does it mean? Well, it's delicious. Oh, good, thanks. There's a lot going on in here. Yeah, we have, so we have a Heartbreaker Espresso Blend. We have our Momentum Blend, which usually we use for our brewed coffee. And then we have all of our single origin coffees and we have a decaf as well so just we when we came up with the name oh, it's been a while a lot has happened in the world since we came up with the momentum one uh, yes yeah, we're just trying to a lot has it. happened in the world since i turned on this recorder <laughs> so, yeah exactly so we just tried to find something you know sounded approachable and of the moment so. and gets me up and going it's yeah. caffeinated yes exactly and how many cafe grumpies are there now so there are we just actually closed one so now there are 10 locations. And so, why'd you close it? Um, that was a, our second location. We opened in 2006, and the landlord was it's going to be doing some stuff with the building, so unfortunately we had to close that location. But um, we've recently opened in Rock, Rockefeller Center, so that's 
great. And we're here right now in the market line. Which is, yeah. Um, reopened I, before the pandemic, closed down, and then obviously reopened. So. And back open. Yeah. And upstairs is one of the hottest restaurants in the city now, oh, Donica. Yeah, we were just talking about that, actually. I haven't been there. Me but, neither. But I'm vegetarian, so I think they have a few options, but I think it's more, a little more like meat-focused. I mean, yeah, they do have goat testicles and stuff, but they're also Indian, so there should be plenty of good vegetarian yeah, food. Yeah, exactly. I love Indian food, so that's, yeah, I definitely want to try it. So the one that you closed, was that the one in Chelsea? That's right. Oh, that's yeah. the one I used to go to. Oh, really? Yeah, our that's op- a cute street. Yes. Our <laughs> offices were in Chelsea for a couple of years. Okay. And so I would go to Cafe Grumpy, and uh, I, I, the people there were, were so cool. What, one time I went and I just sort of glanced right. at what was available, and I said, I'll, I'll have the Panamanian. And they said, that's an $11 cup of coffee. I said, okay, I'll have the Nicaragua, <laughs> which was like $4. I remember, yeah, I remember. Yeah, we, we had, um, that was the first, I think one of the first locations in New York City to do like the single origin, a brew to order. Um, so we're hoping to bring that back during the pandemic. We kind of stopped the pour-overs. You know, people were not wanting people to touch things and be slow with things. So we kind of will hopefully bring that back soon. But we have definitely changed a few few of our offerings. So. Well, what what? How did you have to adjust during the pandemic? Well, a lot. Yeah. So we <laughs> closed all question. of our stores for a while. Mm-hmm. Slowly reopened a few. Closed again. Reopened. I mean, you know putting up the plexiglass, everyone wearing masks, just, we did stop the brew to order. Um, it's, I, I don't know, it's been kind of, it feels like a blur right now, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I didn't leave my apartment basically for 13 right. months, and it seemed fine at the time, like, I can do this, I have to, it's okay. Right. But now I have like a mental block. Yeah. I like How I many don't. Years passed. I don't know right. What happened. Right. And I don't want to, when I go back, what did I eat? How did I act? I don't know. I don't know. I've shut it all down. So even though it seemed fine, right. I guess it wasn't fine. Right. Yeah, we were really lucky that we were able to keep the roastery open. And we had, um, you know, we have a grocery line and wholesale customers. And we have a, a bottled cold brew beverage. Um, so we kept that going. And that was really great. So I went into, you know, the roastery in the office every day, did the online orders. That definitely, that increased a lot. Obviously, people ordering from home. We, sure. we added grind options because before, you know, we're like, oh, we just send the whole beans. You know, we don't pre-grind, but figured not many people have grinders at home. So we added that option. So that opened it, you know, opened it up so more people could buy our coffee um, and drink our coffee. Um, yeah. Yeah, I uh, have a grinder at home, but I've stopped grinding my beans. I just, I let the coffee house grind my beans for me. Yeah. It's okay. And it saves me time in the morning. Yeah. I'm lucky I get to drink coffee at work. On the weekends, I make French press. So. Also good. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you get to drink some of the best coffee in the city at work, which oh, is awesome. Uh, are you a founder of Cafe Grumpy yeah, also? I'm one of the owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but you could be an owner now and not have founded it. But no, you founded it. That's right. That's and, right. Yes, I founded it. And why did you just... And why Grumpy? It's too, I always ask double questions. I don't okay. know why I do that. Why? Well, I, I mean, at that point, that was 2005, and I worked in an office also, and it was hard to find good coffee. I'm like, how hard could it be to make a good cup of coffee? I'm not, like, going to try this. It was hard. Harder than I thought. Um, why grumpy? I mean, the original story was me and my partner, Chris, went to a coffee shop, and that we had a bad experience. We are like, this place should be called Cafe Grumpy. So, But now it's, you know, kind of like... 
you're grumpy before coffee and then the bean the logo the coffee grumpy logo my brother drew that based on a coffee bean so it was kind of you know if you look at that actual bean bean. it has little frowny faces so you know it and i feel like it's approachable and people can relate to it it's their little grumpy friend um yeah so how you you said how hard can it be to make a cup of coffee yeah and so what what were the challenges that you faced when figuring out there's a lot yeah sure. i mean it's it really it's been a lear- lot we've learned a lot you know at the beginning we went to the west coast did some training came back we were using beans from other roasters and then we tra- we changed and we started roasting our own which is great um, throughout the years just navigating different you know aspects of growth with just being a we're small just us as the owners and you know trying to figure out how to grow and um keep things going when things are up and down um just increasing well, increasing getting more staff like we would just work the bar ourselves at the first location and then just like getting managers in place and kind of like thinking about the world outside of the cafes like is starting the wholesale business, starting the grocery business. So it's, now I don't even remember the question, but it's like. Well, what did yes. you have to learn? I think. Yes, how of, how lot, hard is it to make a, a good cup of, of coffee? Yes, well. The answer is it hard. Is, it is, and it's like, you know, in the end, it's more than just about the coffee. It's about how you're talking, how you're treating the customers, how people feel when they come in, the atmosphere. So obviously the coffee is, you know, what we start with. I do the green buying now. It's like, you know, you start with the great, green coffee, roast the coffee well, but it's, you know, the priests have to be trained well, but then it's also the whole atmosphere. Yeah, if you mess up any part, then you don't have a great cup yeah, of coffee. and then you get a bad Google review or something. Uh, and so do you, or did you, uh, like travel a lot to the producing countries and select Yeah, the before the pandemic, definitely um, traveled a lot. Um, and most of the coffee we have right now, I've been to most of those farms so that was that's great i mean looking back it's like a luxury you know right now i'm communicating with the producer through whatsapp or email so that's fine too um they do a great job and we try to work with the same people year after year and during the pandemic we didn't really know like since we're closed what what do we do we have these coffee contracts where you know don't know how much we're going to sell so just being in constant contact with people and and making sure that we're committed like we're staying committed to what we agreed upon and bringing the same coffee in and just adjusting adjusting later so maybe one year we would buy from the same producers and bring in a new coffee like a spot coffee during the pandemic we stopped doing that and we just kept so we could keep up the relationships we had so that was really that was really good and important. A, a spot coffee, what is that? Is a temporary? So yeah, if you have you know you've you've contracted these coffees with these um, rela- we call them relationship coffees, and then maybe you feel it like oh maybe we should bring in something from this country that we don't usually work with or this produ- new producer. So then you would buy that on spot instead of you know planning ahead. So, was that with that that eleven dollar cup of Panamanian coffee that I didn't buy? That was back in I don't even remember. That probably. was even before we were roasting our own, I feel like. It was probably yeah. 11 or 12 or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Regardless, regardless, I'm grateful I have coffee every day. And through the pandemic, definitely, it was like, you know, we sit at the roastery and since all the cafes are closed, we just brew our coffee and talk and then start roasting the coffee, sending it out. So it's definitely been, it's really, I feel very grateful no matter how stressful things get. I'm like, I can, 
having a cup of coffee. Yes. I, I get excited in the evening, like what I'm going to drink in the morning, which sounds stupid, but... Again, like food people are like that about food. <laughs> it makes perfect sense yeah. that a coffee person would be like that about coffee. So, um, green coffee beans can last, like dry for a long time, right? Can't they? I mean, we... We like to bring them in like seasonally, so because there's a harvest every year, you know, mm-hmm. our Columbia has two different harvests, so we, we get through ours faster than that. You don't want them sting around too long. Um, you know, they do they do change. Obviously, like if you are a cook, like beans or whatever, you rice or something, there you know, it does change. So still an agricultural product, so we try to keep it as fresh as possible. So during the pandemic, did you end up with like a backlog of, of green beans? I mean, what we did was since we actually were lucky that our grocery grew, so we were able to, you know, go through not as fast as usual. And we didn't release as many single origins as we would have liked to that we we do when our cafes are open. But we kind of just adjusted. Like we, we did have a little backlog of coffee that we had ordered for um to use in like cold brew because our cold brew season was totally obviously obliterated mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, we, we were able to get through and adjust a little bit like buying a little bit less the next harvest and stuff like that so well still taking care of your right uh, your, uh, the relationship yeah your growers yeah. and so i'm sure mail order took off yeah that was definitely we'd get these cute little notes from our customers like oh i miss you guys so, you know because a lot of people took off when it first started, right? They right. went to, I don't know where, all their families' houses are. Their, some people are lucky and have a second house somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, so they were ordering beans and writing little notes about stuff. So um, definitely miss that community um, atmosphere, and I'm hoping that will come back because coffee shops, like, I don't know, when you're just going in and everyone has masks on, there's plexi, and you just in and out really quickly you can't it's not the same feeling you can't chat with your favorite barista you can't just sit and hang out everything was to go you know so even you know you're having your macchiato or espresso in a to-go cup it's just not the same so i hope not that remotely. now it, i mean i have hope that things will get back and it'll feel like little homes again for people because it, it got a little bit depressing there for a while so we'll yeah well uh, mask mandates are possibly going away. Mm-hmm. Even vaccination mandates right. might be going right. away. Um, and the timing seems right for that. I, I honestly was happy to like yeah. be vaccinated, and yeah. like I stayed inside till I was vaccinated, and then I went out, and all the money I saved not going out, I have now returned to the community. <laughs> like everything's happening. Yeah, exactly. It's like everyone's like I gotta do this make dinner reservation I actually went to a Broadway show this weekend during the pandemic like I gotta see something Um, yeah it's been and I think with the mandates lifting I think it's less stressful for the baristas and I mean food service people like you know they're given all these tasks to implement all these rules and changing guidelines and it's extra stress and everyone's on edge so it's really you know added a layer to their jobs that they probably really didn't want. Right. And like, well, and, and none of us are as sane as we were at right. the beginning of the pandemic. We all, uh, you know, whether we realize it or not, we have uh, less patience for other people. Our emotions are frayed. We're stressed out about everything. Right. And if you take that out on your friends or family or work colleagues, it's a problem. So yeah. you take it out on food service people. And they bear the brunt of all of the anger and stress that yeah, everybody's it's been had. Very, yeah, it's been stressful for the baristas, and hopefully that will, you know, will start to get better, and people will be more positive and, you know, nicer. And so. I smile behind my mask at them. That's I good. think they can tell. That's my good. eyes light up. Thank you for the coffee. 
That's good. Um, so back, back to roasting, like how, like every bean needs to be roasted differently, right? Like you have to, every variety has to be, right. obviously not every individual bean, but you know, every variety. So how do you, what's the process of figuring that out? Do you roast a little and see how it is, or is there more of a science to it? Or? Yeah, I mean, we have a sample roaster, which is a tiny little roaster at our, and we do sample roast and we taste that. But, you know, at this point, we're so familiar with the, the different producers' coffee that we kind of, like, have these profiles that we've saved, and we have a, a roasting software that we use. Um, we do use a ProVat roaster, so everything's, you know, cast iron drum and everything, so it's all very whatever you want to call it, artisanally. <laughs> I don't know how you, whatever you, what word you want to use, but we do use software, and we... we um, do different profiles and then we do cuppings and we taste it together and just decide on the best profile and then go with that So it's computerized artisanal roasting. I mean it's the computer tracks what you're doing with your hands Neat. So like it will track the flame and like the temperature and stuff like that So it's a guide we use it as a guide so that you can see like this coffee tastes really good What did I do on this one? Did I like open the gate a little bit? Did I raise the temperature at this time? And that'll track it. So, um, wow, that's neat. Yeah. So that's you know, but there's you know, we'll, we'll just taste the coffees together. I mean, we used to do the coffee cuppings where you slurp, and then we change that now. We we do our own little set of cups because you know what I mean. Right, used to, everyone yeah. used to do that and together. And now it's like no one wants to cup with each other. <laughs> so we have adjusted how we do that, so it's less gross um, <laughs> during yeah. these germy times. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I've, I've gone to cuppings uh, at little small roasters mm -hmm. where you sit, you break the crust yeah. after you pour the stuff right. in, and you sit and you evaluate and you have a conversation. You're like, yes, I'm getting some blueberry and some hints of cinnamon or whatever. <laughs> and then one time I did it at uh, the headquarters of Duncan. Oh, really? That's, at the time that's cool. Yeah, and there you're just testing for off flavors. Right. So you sit at this big round table and you keep turning mm -hmm. the, uh, the, uh, the table to a different cup and you just like slurp and spit, slurp and spit, slurp and spit to see if there's any yeah. off. That, that, that's a totally different I know, process. people go through hundreds. Like sometimes when you visit the Coffee Origins, they'll set up a huge cupping and you'll do it fast. But yes, definitely we taste, we taste for like the tasting notes. Right. <laughs> you know, obviously we'll notice if anything is off, but hopefully, you know. Not, but that's yeah that's, I think yeah, that's and then by the end you're like actually really caffeinated even though you've been spitting you know like Still what, what just happened <laughs> do you have a high threshold for caffeine high tolerance Me? I think so I can drink coffee all times a day um, chocolate in the evening I stay up I was actually re I read your article on chocolate pairings with mm -hmm. different drinks um, thanks yes. for reading <laughs> so, um, yeah so coffee yeah it doesn't bother me um, I have to have it though or I will get a headache Oh. But, yeah, I'm fine. I can drink it all the time. All and you, the yeah, you, you have a good job for, for I'm not going to call it caffeine addiction. That seems judgmental. Yeah. But <laughs> requiring yes. coffee right. so you don't get yeah, a headache. Yeah, it's like I have to drink it, so that's part of my job. That's great. Yes, so that was. I mean, maybe it's not great that you have to drink it, but it's great that you get to drink yes, it. Yes, it's true. It's true. Have you always loved coffee? I have actually since I was younger. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, and we'd go to like the diner and sit and chat over coffee, like we're doing right now with our mugs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe the coffee wasn't great, but it was like the feeling, like talking. Um, so, 
when diner coffee, you know, it doesn't have the magical nuances, and usually right. it's a darker roast than this, but it's consistent, yeah. and it's good. I Like, I worked at a big boy restaurant in Denver where... We, like, we ground the beans and right. because the coffee has to be good. Right. And it's still, you know, again, it's not this fancy artisanal whatever. It also cost 65 cents a cup because right. it was the 1980s. And people tended to tip well. They tip a quarter on a 65-cent cup of coffee, so that's pretty good. Or sometimes even 35 cents. They just leave a dollar. It's a huge tip. So I appreciated that. Even the decaf was like a, a Kona blend. Uh-huh. They got fancy with their decaf. Really fancy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's like the feel, you know, the feeling of just lingering. I really like to drink brewed coffee. Uh, I like cappuccinos too and espresso, but I, I my go-to would be a brewed coffee, just because it kind of changes as it cools, gets sweeter, and you like start thinking about stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. I guess. Although, I mean, I first started really drinking coffee when I was in culinary school in Paris, mm-hmm. and I still remember the cafe au lait that I had my first morning at breakfast and I was like what's happening uh, why this is so good uh, and then I just drank espresso for yeah. the eight months I was in Paris do you think it was because you're in Paris too like the atmosphere <laughs> like this oh, tastes absolutely. better this, my surroundings 100% are awesome. yeah I mean <laughs> there, there's no way you can separate that right. which is why you need a nice setting for right, where you're having exactly. your coffee um, and nice people to drink it with also right. very helpful right so what uh uh, it used to be, we, we were, a few years ago, maybe eight years ago, it was all third wave coffee, mm-hmm. and then people were like fourth wave or whatever. And cold brew came along, mm-hmm. and we started nitrogenating it and all of that. Did you ever nitrogenate stuff at Cafe Grumpy? Like, what is that? Hydrogenate? Ni- 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 Nitro- I, I, nitrogen. Nitro- nitrogen. Nitro- yeah, we yeah. have nitro-, nitro coffee. Um, we have... Um, Miami, we still have a what do you call it? A kegerator with that. Um, yeah, some people still like the nitrogen, like the creamy body, and it does taste pretty good. I mean, I'd say our number one seller is cold brew, just you know, regular cold brew, no matter what season it is. And we have our um, bottled, Cafe Grumpy bottled cold brew that we do with in a Tetra pack that we actually launched during the pandemic, which was a was scary prospect but <laughs> but you did uh, it yeah we did that so i feel like yeah cold coffee cold brew is really popular no matter what form you know and are people still interested in the the single origin stuff and the, the story behind the coffee and all that i think so they you know i feel like if people come here they kind of like trust that we're we're giving them something like good with a good story behind it and we try to um on our packaging, we try to have a kind of a little overview about the producers and the tasting notes. And then on our website, we have a little more in-depth information. And before the pandemic, we used to have a lot of, um, like, coffee, we call them, like, coffee and conversations. And we had most of the producers actually come to our stores and, like, talk about the coffee. And we had quite a few people attend those. I think people, yeah, they're interested. Right now, it's harder, obviously, to convey that information because the transactions are faster because people don't want to linger as long, but hopefully that'll change. Um, you know, we used to do classes and tasting, so we're hoping as things get better that we can bring that back and talk more about the coffee. Is it hard to train your baristas with all that information? I mean, I think that as the time has gone along, like in the beginning in 2005, it was harder because people didn't have so much specialty coffee experience 
now I think there are more people that have worked in especially coffee industry so there's it's a little easier um, and you know I think people in general customers seem to know a little bit more about where coffee comes from and how it's grown just the general knowledge has changed a little bit um, that probably didn't even answer your question it's it, no, it, it depends too. on the person like depends how much experience they've had and also how much you know some people are more like interested in chatting with customers some people are kind of like more coffee nerds so it's you know you want a mixture of both type of people I think we really like to look for I think it's most important that people are like good at hospitality and friendly and nice and they can learn the coffee after that because like you said like if we were talking about how the taste like it tastes better if someone's like nice to you or you feel like good so right absolutely um, do you think you have to train your palate very much to detect coffee notes you have to open your mind up. <laughs> I, I remember my dad, like, we used to, he used to have when we were little, I don't know how long ago. Do you remember, like, Javalia, like, subscriptions? Like, mm-hmm, back in the yeah. Day? Like, he had that, and we thought that was so cool. Um, and over the years, like, he's kind of, since we've been giving him coffee and he got a grinder, now he's, like, telling me, oh, well, send me, can you send me more coffee? But don't send me this kind. I want this kind. So I think it's, like, you just naturally learn as you go, and the more you think you you know, the more you try things, you you just kind of see what you like, and sometimes we'll at work we'll you know we'll disagree with what the notes are or whatever. I think it just really really depends. We try to kind of keep a common like there's a coffee language, and I've done that class, um, the Q grader certification. So there's like a training you can go through, an intense training where you can like test you know how you how you notice different acidity and mouthfeel and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, it's like, we just want people to feel like, oh, this tasted good. Like, I don't know why, but it tasted good. Um, and hope, you know, if they want to put milk or sugar, who cares? Like, just just, just enjoy the coffee. Yeah, it's their mouth. Yeah, and just we want to make it more approachable. And um, I feel like since the beginning with, I think you talked about, like, the third wave and different waves of specialty coffee. I mean, in the end, we want, like, the more people that drink our coffee, the better for us and the better for the producers. So we want to just make it more accessible and, and kind of, that's why we also do some, like, seasonal drinks where it's, like, more fun stuff. I don't know if you see on the menu over there as well. That's on the other side, but, like, cardamom rose latte, things, like, where people be like, oh, that sounds good. I'll try that. And then maybe they'll come in again and get, like, an Americana or whatever. So just, you know, the gateway drinks are <laughs> right. what to call them. Um, well, and why not? It's okay to add spices and sugar to stuff. People yeah. like it. So we're trying to, you know, we just want to make make it be, you know, it's coffee. It should be approachable. And Well, I mean, there was a while, I don't know, 16, 17, maybe a little earlier, when, the, you know, the coffee snobbery kind of peaked. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember what year it was, but when, you know, people would be hectored about what they add to their yeah. coffee and stuff. and. You think, have we have we passed that? I, mean, I hope I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. So now people are drinking cold brew, and I know yeah. there there are certain coffee aficionados who are like, "Well, you don't extract all of the coffee elements of whatever when you cold brew." But I guess if your customers want it, then you. Make I mean, it. you can make really yeah. You can really if you do different origins of cold brew, you can really tell a difference. I think it's you know you can really tell a difference. So I'm happy with our cold brew that we have as a single origin from Colombia and it's I don't know it has some brightness some sweetness but still has that full bodied earthiness yeah. that Colombian coffee has <laughs> so, yeah so you know, 
And what, what do you see coming down the pike? Is it cardamom rose lattes? Or I don't know. Uh, I Even, don't know. It's hard to predict because, you know, a lot of people kind of started brewing at home. And so when they come into the store, they would order those, like, drinks that maybe they can't make themselves at home. Um, but, or maybe more espresso-based drinks that they might not have espresso machines, but and they're buying more beans. Coming down the pike, I'm not sure. I feel like people maybe, or hopefully, will want to just get out more and just drink more coffee. I don't care. I just want, <laughs> I'm like, right. I want people, I'm like, the one the, I'm like, want people to come back to the office. I know a lot of people want to do their work from home, but, you know, we really miss having the people come in the morning and get their morning coffee and then come in the afternoon on their break. It's like really creates a nice atmosphere, and we miss that about New York City, so... I'm not sure what the future holds. I do hope people will just be more enthusiastic to go out and meet their friends and, you know, to catch up from all the missed time that they had together that they missed out on during the pandemic. So. Well, what, what cities are you guys in? You said you have one in Miami. Yeah, we have one in Coral Gables. We're also inside um, Whole Foods Market in Weehawken. Um, and That's we New have, Jersey, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's across the river. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we have two locations in Brooklyn. Our original Cafe Grumpy's in Greenpoint. We opened that in 2005. And yeah, we just all over. So I would think that the Coral Gables location had a very different pandemic experience than the others, or has had one. We're not quite done yet. Yeah, you are. Yes, you were right. I was just <laughs> there actually last week. Um, I tried to go check in, you know, every couple months at least. We have a great manager there. Um, but it's good to check in anyway. Um, sure. Yeah, that store did get a little busier. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, it's obviously easier to eat outside there. I did notice fewer masks. People seemed a little less stressed out. Um, and now it's Florida. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But I'm, I'm appreciative. I love that neighborhood. It's, like, a, very easy to walk around. You don't need to drive. Um, so that's kind of why we picked it. A lot of businesses there so yeah definitely did feel different yeah i'm sure <laughs> well and the fact that in new york city we live on top of each other it makes it um like literally it uh it makes it easier for diseases to spread yeah. so you know i think i think our taking reasonable precautions in new york you know was was reasonable right. whereas in in suburbs of miami it's not as important when, as yeah. you said, you can eat outside. Yeah, people eat outside. I mean, we do have a lot. We did have a lot of to-go orders, and we did. You know, we had our we had mask policy, and we spaced our tables out, and and had you know the same sort of. You could look at the menu right by the door, and they could bring. They, uh, we did have a few, um, a few months where we just had a pickup window, but yeah, it's just a little different, just with the weather. Like you said, not not as many people so close together, so. Uh, is there anything new in terms of I don't know roasting styles or brewing methods, or we kind of we've we've figured it out? We know how to make coffee now. Um, I feel like there's always always things, and new inventions and new ways to do things, and people sending me things to try out. Um, you know, but as a coffee shop owner, we need to make sure that whatever we bring in or tools that we use are like they can function when it's busy they're easy to use for the stuff they're not just a distraction and in the end that you're just making the coffee taste good so um but there's we'll see there's nothing like that i've 
that we brought in recently that is like, wow, this is a game changer, but who, know, who knows? <laughs> Did you guys have a clover machine somewhere? Do I remember yeah, that? Yeah, right? when we opened Chelsea, we had um, clovers was the way we did our brewed coffee. We didn't have any batch brewers. Actually, I used to work in that store in the mornings uh, behind the clovers, so I'd work those like a DJ. But, um, it was actually, it was fun, and like, you know, during that time, it was like a new thing, and we could actually make the drinks really quickly, and like you talked about the tasting notes, you can definitely, you know, people order from a menu of different origins and talk about what they got and what they liked and didn't like. Um, yeah, so that was that was its own era. <laughs> can you remind me of how the clover works? I remember seeing it, the thing went, went yeah, up and something came down. Yeah, you would grind the coffee, put it in the top. There was a filter underneath, so then you put, the water would come out, you'd stir adjust your parameters like how much time and everything kind of press the button and then it would suck the water out through the filter so then the puck of coffee would raise up to the top and then you'd squeegee it that was like I remember that motion you'd squeeze you squeegee the coffee grinds away into the bin so we even did like cold brew that way like brewed by the cup which is kind of fun um, how do you cold brew? I mean, brew? not cold brew, like iced coffee. Oh, okay, whatever. all right, all right. That, that makes sense. <laughs> the cold brew confused me. Uh, cool. Well, Caroline Bell, it's so nice to meet you. Oh, thanks for coming in and having coffee with me. I enjoyed it. I, I'm really happy with my Momentum blend. It was delicious. I'm well souped up and caffeinated, and uh, I appreciate your time. <laughs> no problem.